Welcome to Naked with Mimosas and Hot Sauce, a relatable podcast series about life and being consciously uncomfortable. I'm Kelly. And I'm SB. And we invite you to get naked in this chaos with us as we build a conscious community one conversation at a time. And having a few laughs along the way. So with that being said, let's get get naked. So I mentioned this to Aaron um, earlier in a text message that one of these articles you sent, and I don't have the, the reference offhand. There are teachers that have been told, it doesn't matter the amount of money, just leave the job you're doing and come homeschool this or come and teach my the, this group of this pod of a sure. bunch of very wealthy families where I get like, I, I can imagine a teacher's like $100,000 a year. I've been making $50,000 a year. Can you imagine? Right. And their fear is once this year's over, will their school district take them back? Well, so here's the thing. So I, you guys may have seen this on social media. Have you guys seen that post running around? That's like, Oh, 250 you charge 250 a week and yes. like so i've seen it everywhere you know and it was interesting because i a group of teachers that i talked to about that well explain the post okay. Okay. i haven't seen like, like 250 a week mm-hmm. x amount of kids, like 10 kids you can make x amount of money a year oh. essentially and so like so just quit your job and go do that but when i had that discussion with teachers they one were offended but <laughs> A lot of them were like, well, one, you don't understand that, like, I have, like, I get a bump every year. So I already make that, actually. You know, like, you're assuming I don't make that type of money. Or if I, I'm on a scale, so if I leave, I've lost a year in my step up to get a, to get a promotion of, or an increase, I'm sorry. Um, you're not thinking about my benefits. You're right. not thinking. About, I immediately thought of health benefits. Yeah, like that was money. a lot of them. Yeah. A lot of them were like, "Right, you work in a public school, you get a retirement." I get a retirement now. That's a year. Then you I've lost my retirement. Remember, I lost the whole thing, but I've lost the year. You're working to get vested. Yeah, it's not that simple. Of like, we are not glorified babysitters that you can just. Now I'm not going to act like I wouldn't be like, huh? How much was that? You know, it's tempting. I get it, especially if you're in a district where you're being asked to come back to work and you don't feel safe doing that. I could see why someone might be like. Hmm, let me think about that. But there's so much more that goes into a teacher's salary and their trajectory of how much money they can make that it's not that simple of let's just throw a lot of money at it and, and see if that works. Sure. And so I think a lot of teachers, what we see on the news, is they're not confident in their plan, in the plan. It's hard. And I think the other thing I've seen a lot is just become a teacher's first parent. Oh, it's 1,000%. That's what I've at least saved. Yeah. It hurts my soul. To be be put against one another because there's already a breakdown in schools and communities and parents. Like, I grew up, and I think y'all are probably similar, where if if the teacher called my house and said that I slapped her in the throat, like, that was it. There was no question. My mama was going to say, why on earth would you slap a teacher in the throat? I could have never touched a teacher. But if a teacher said... And my mom supported what the teacher said. That was it, you know. And so, but it's not always like, there's a breakdown in community. And so this, I think, further amplifies that breakdown. It's like, I asked the teacher today, what do you want people to know about your profession? People are like, I want to be at school with my kids. I didn't sign up to be a virtual. No, I don't. I know very few virtual teachers who are excited about virtual learning. (laughs) Most of them are anxious. They are nervous. They are, they want to go to work. We love being physically with our kids. So 
if you, if someone could figure out how to do it safely, we're all for right. it. So this idea that teachers just want to take the easy way out or we're just, you know, complaining or whatever is so sad that it's become a political thing and it's putting parents against teachers when that's not just further bridging, like creating a gap. I, I would love to hear y'all's thoughts on, so there are two different hashtags that I, or two different comments that I've seen. Um, and they, each one of them, like, Oh my God. Um, so however, each or either one of you guys want to both answer or separate or whatever. I'd love to hear from both y'all. So the first one was actually, this didn't make me cringe at all because I get where they were saying, what they were saying. This was a teacher and she said, hashtag be mad at your employer. If you're mad at the situation that you're in, be mad at your employer. Okay. okay. Um, I've not felt like that by my employer has made it seem very open and clear. Like we are, you, if you actually, the fact that I don't have steel running around in the background of my meetings is almost strange because everyone else does have their kids. The other one um, was, it wasn't, this was not a hashtag. It was a statement. Why are my tax dollars paying for student, for teacher salaries then if they're going to be able to be at home? So I would love to hear um, both. So I'm not agree. by the way, I'm just being double. Oh, I'm we sharing know. with y'all. Yes. We're just repeating. <laughs> So I would love to hear, and based on Aaron's face, I would like for her That's to answer the yeah. first. I can think no, but Aaron, no worries. I would love to the hear. The first your, one was the hashtag blame yes. your employer. Or be mad. Be mad be at mad your, your employer, employer talking about like, if you feel like you can't do. So uh, by the way, that statement I think was preferenced a little or prefaced a little bit with, we realize if you were in a business nurse, um, I'm trying to think of, some, you know what I mean? Like where essential you can't do your, yeah, essential maybe. worker, you can't be at home. I uh, can't do your job at home and you feel like you can't continue to do your job at home, then your issue cannot be with the school board um, or the decision they made. It should be with your employer sure. for under not understanding the circumstances. Um, and, then, and then we'll get to the second one. But what are your thoughts? Yeah. What, what's your first like thoughts on that? So with the first one, blame your employer. Be mad at your be employer. Be mad. Yeah. Be mad at your employer. I think this is this is something that we completely considered when we were thinking of whether or not our children were going to go back to school. And at the end of the day, I have a family of five, a daughter who has special needs and needs like additional services that are expensive. And my husband is a small business owner. And so a damn fine one too. I very very <laughs> yes. guess two of you our have two customers are here at the table. <laughs> over here. <laughs> my house is always right. I was gonna say <laughs> my house is always clean it's great so here's the issue and and why I think there's just such high stakes for my family and I can only speak for my family um I at since my husband is a small business owner I have to make sure that I'm in a position where I can provide benefits to my family in regards to health care. And so, and it becomes even more serious for us when we think about Daniela and her needs. And so when we, when I see this hashtag, like, well, I mean, in a, in a sense, I do feel a lot of pressure. Um, because at the end of the day, my company did last week just go through layoffs. And so we knew as employees that this was coming. They did not hide the ball. Um, they provided an incredible severance package um, that literally just made me feel so fortunate to be a part 
of this company, but at the same time, in the back of my mind, it's like there is no way, regardless of how wonderful the severance package is, there is no way I can be on that list. Because if I lose this job, my family does not have health care and a quality benefits package in the middle of the pandemic. And so I know that I am not the only one in this situation. And so it brings an additional amount of pressure as the adults in the household with this need to perform um, and to produce great work and to figure out how to do that while there are three children, six and under, running around the house. And so while it may not come directly from my employer and why, while my employer can say all day, Oh, hi baby. Oh, so cute. Oh, don't worry. Go and pick up the baby or I get it. They need juice. It's like, do you though? Because if I can't produce, am I going to be on this list of folks who is laid off? And for us, there was no way that my family could survive. Um, business taking a hit and now me being laid off and not having benefits for my family during the pandemic. And so for us, it was like, we need to figure out how we are both going to be able to give everything we've got to our work during this time. And that was one of the factors that led for us, like we've got to get them out of the house. So when we look at the benefits and, um, and the risks for us, it was like, we've got to send them to school because we have to have stability in the home so that I can perform and not be on this chopping block that is like leaning over us. It's so hard because even schools haven't figured that out. I have yet to hear a good answer from any district when teachers are saying, great, my kids are home too. What do I do? Because I'm trying to teach, and my four-year-old's doing cartwheels behind me. Mm-hmm. And then I also need to do their learning, because they're not in my class. Right. So, and I've yet to hear a solid answer for that either. Like, only schools don't know how to support their staff that has kids. Absolutely. And chartered waters. And it's, you know, what our, what we're dealing with as, as parents, um, we're also dealing with as professionals. And mm-hmm. so how do we balance both and, and keep our families like safe and healthy? It's just very, I don't want to say complicated. We're not complicated, but it's very complex. Very complex. What are your thoughts? Because I saw, I wish I could have been videoing your, so I, I know I was going to say, I saw it in time. your um, face when <laughs> you're very much like me. We wear our feelings on our face. So, the statement was <laughs> the statement was why, why are my tax dollars Ooh. paying for salaries of teachers that are not going to ha- essentially where this person was going was that the teachers that were at home virtual learning and I'm doing air quotes I realize I'm not being um, videoed right now um how why do we why is that because they're saying right obviously you know where I stand on this you know where Kelly, without even having a kid, knows where she stands with this. But I would love to go down this route because that was a real Karen statement. 
Well, first of all, it goes to show how much little respect we have for educators. Mm-hmm. Like we just think that is the most like his poor job to have. We don't. And you would think after this whole pandemic, people would be like, man. Wow. They are. So I keep seeing that places though, do, right? Do, I keep seeing that. Do. That and people like, are like, me and our teachers are tired of having your kid at home. Now it's like, all right, sis, that was cute. Go back to work. <laughs> you know, like I get it. It's coming from a place of frustration. But there is very people don't see edu- teaching as a profession, like as a as a professional, it's an art form. It really is. Like, I truly believe like People who can teach, that is an amazing gift. And everyone does not have it. Mm-hmm. I tried to teach Drexel how to tie his shoes. I almost lost it. You know, like I just couldn't do it. So being able to actually teach someone how to do something and to reach kids, it's so much more than getting on a computer. And I just think that comment is so ignorant and diminishes the work that teachers do. Now, let's be clear. There is a difference between asynchronous and synchronous learning. So, like, virtual learning should not always be I post some randomness on Google Classroom and walk away, right? I get that. I understand that frustration. That was a lot of what was happening in March because everyone was just trying to figure it out. You don't learn virtual learning when you're in, like, education college you don't learn we talked about this earlier before we started recording around how the infrastructure for a school district to function fully virtually is something that takes intense planning budgeting for and building and so overnight yes the infrastructure was not there but i think school districts right now are in a completely different place than they were in march from right one day to the other yes so I think there's this piece of if that was your experience in March, I expect a different one in yeah, August. You should right. absolutely, yeah. you absolutely should. And if your school's not doing you that, that's not okay. That. And that's what you've been spending a lot of your time on this summer, correct? And the role yeah, that you're playing so is making sure they're aligned and ready. Everything that I've been doing this summer is how to teach and equip educators with the tools, whether that's the actual like technology, but then the strategies and the mindset and the like toolkit to be able to deliver virtuality, virtual learning. And they are nervous about it. We've got people who've been teaching 20 something years and have never done this. So it's like, oh, okay, how do I engage Think about you trying to engage your one child sitting next to you. Think about the teachers who think about the 30 kids they're going to have on a computer and how they're going to keep their interest in their attention all that. uh, Right. 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 Exactly. And even our youngest uh, teacher leaders, I mean, they have just come out of four years of studying how to be excellent educators and master this art of teaching. They weren't prepared to execute instruction. And our leaders. So all that I've been learning all summer is, okay, I know how to develop teachers. I can do that in my sleep. I got that. I've never had to do it in a pandemic over the computer. Cool. So now even leaders and administrators and principals are learning, how do I, it was completely foreign to me this last week to be welcoming 11 new teachers into my virtual building. And if you think about it, I will have 11 teachers that are brand new that I will not have ever, really, ever physically seen. They didn't interview in my face. <laughs> they didn't, you know what I mean? Yeah, I've sure. never physically 
touch them. I have no idea how tall they are. I don't know what you, like literally, I've never seen you. So what teachers need right now is support from their families to understand that they are also figuring it out, but they want to do a good job. I'll say this fear never goes away. So what's funny is I've had a, I was tasked on by the new company that I'm working for, right? To hire a headcount of 12. And every, I've filled 10 of those roles and all 10 of those of these grown adults have asked me in their interview. I've never met them in person. It's been on video calls, right? How can you walk me through a little bit about what the onboarding process is going to be like, because you guys are having to onboard people in a remote fashion. Um, so even the can't you got grown adults that are like in the same thing, right? Not a, not an exact scenario. I'm not trying to do an equivalent thing, right? But that fear never goes away. Can you make somebody feel like they're a part of the team, getting the same exact um, ed, like education? Truly, the education I've been through the past month has been like, would I have t- retained this any different had I been in person in Denver? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Would I? Would I still check out? Would I still whatever? I don't know. You're not going to be able to curb any of it. Some of those things you're not going to be able to fix in person or virtual. So I, I think everyone is doing the best they can. What I'd love to have seen, especially on my LinkedIn profile or my LinkedIn newsfeed is this is also a really cool way for people to set themselves apart from their peers and go, by the way, I was damn good at leading through a pandemic and this is what I did. And this is, and I was able to teach my peers and other people around me to do this. And, or you have a student award you give out like, oh my God, I became a top performer all of a sudden because I was like bound and determined, kind of like you said, I'm not about to be on the layoff list. There's a student somewhere going, oh, you're not about to think I'm the last one on the totem pole in your classroom because you can't see me every oh, day. Oh, let's be clear. There are some kids who, thrive, who are thriving in virtual learning. That says a lot to me about ADD, like whatever, yeah, like there are too are many people in a... I've had a couple of kids who, they don't like coming to school. They're just very, I don't want to do collaboration. I don't <laughs> want to do partner work. I want to do my work. And go home. We know those adults. Right, right, for sure. Give me the assignment. Let me do my thing. I'm done. Good day. There are people, there are adults Absolutely. like that. So some kids honestly thrive as far as academically. Yes, socially they need that. But for some kids, they do just fine in the, in this, in this virtual world. Um, but I just would hope that we can use this as an opportunity to, for teachers to support parents and for parents to support teachers. Because at the end of the day, it's about the student and the child. And if we are not on the same page, this is literally just, it's just going to make the whole thing harder. Let's talk a little bit about those who have, those who do not have, those who have not got. (laughs) Um, And the level of angst and anxiety that really is carried on an everyday basis and is, and is, maximized during the pandemic or another stressful situation, you know, um, that they encounter. Let's talk a little bit about what we feel is happening now for those who may not have or in the same position as others and then maybe some solutions that we can come to terms with around, you know, those who are listening and myself, um, you know, for those who may not even have children that are may or may not even are listening to the podcast, but hopefully they can um, be encouraged that we have a lot of items that we can provide to help bridge that gap. Yeah, I mean, I think we can start with some of the different areas that we talked about that these pods impact, sure. and just things that if you are in a pod, that you should just be keeping top of mind. Um, Reiterating, by the way, the pod's not a bad idea. Nope. 
not a bad idea. So just just to give things just to get live in a neighborhood. Yeah. We all have kids the same age. We're gonna be like on our HOA poly page of some sort. It happened on ours, by the way. Right. Like mm-hmm. let's like high five. Can we you know, can we get this can we do this together? They're enrolled in school, it's all virtual learning. Tuesday, Thursdays it's you, Wednesdays, Fridays, whatever, whatever that may look like. Now we've got six, eight, twelve kids that are like minded in the same community. But no one raises a hand to say there's a neighborhood right down the street from ours. Right. Right. That could there could be some students there that could absolutely benefit. Right. Yeah. And we know that less affluent families are already at a disadvantage when it comes to resources for this virtual learning life in general for education. But we know that whether it's the supplies, the laptops, the internet, all of those sorts of things. So when we do pods, one way to help make sure that it is inclusive is to think about how can I maybe include another family um, who may either be low income or just not as well off, or maybe it's not even afford. Like sometimes I think about being low income. It's like that's a hard that's a that's another line item in my monthly budget that I just cannot swing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, and so, like, one example I can think of is I know a group of families doing a pod, and they are doing a scale. So, essentially, they are paying more for the teacher, and the, another family is just paying less, right? Okay. So, that is one way to ensure some inclusivity and having a variety of families and income levels at the table, quote, unquote, um, for this experience. How did they find where that where did that connection came from? Yeah, so from my understanding, it came from one member of the pod, a family that they knew. If that if that is not a situation, where would you guys recommend somebody? I think you mentioned Eric, like so somebody that may not just know to go to the local church or whatever. What is the respectful way of somebody to to like go and find a family to support in this situation? Yeah, I mean, I think one thing to keep in mind is approach. I think it's important. So regardless of your income level, like moms know like what we need to, is for, to feel supported in this moment. And so I think the first thing is asking that, like, what's your, what's your plan? You know, and like doing like this kind of like, what's your plan for virtual learning? Because I'm struggling to say you have at least run by arena saying, you know, right. So what I'm saying is, so they would ask me, the school, would the educators them. about, they would ask like the front desk. Maybe they, well, the I, would, I think what Melanie gave earlier is like, think about your local organizations that work with families. If the, if the way you want to go is, is by including them in your pockets, other ways to support them process. But if that's the way you want to go to me, I'm going to a boys and girls club, a Y, a, or whatever local organization you're seeing that works closely with families and asking them, hey, what are y'all doing to support kids in virtual learning? How can I best support that? I would love to support that. Or, well, I'm doing a pod. Do you know any families who do? Let them bring the family right. to you versus you like sourcing a yeah, family that yeah, you yeah, believe go through, well. like, almost like, I think keeping in mind that this frenzy that is happening right now and that we're seeing on social media and that was highlighted on GMA, like that is a strategy that is not the solution. Right. And so I, as 
a person cannot assume that what I have top of mind as my strategy is the solution to Mm -hmm. this very complex problem. And so um, in thinking of like, okay, I am now a young adult, does not have children. I believe though that there is a space for me to make a difference. Mm -hmm. Um, It would be important to not assume a solution for like a group of people or for a community, but rather to partner with organizations that are already serving families, already serving youth, are doing it well, are credible, you trust, and your vision and mission align. And go to them and ask them, you know, like, what are, how are we addressing this issue of reopening schools and like Boys and Girls Club, YMCA, um, Agape, like, what is your role um, in the reopening of schools? What are you providing? What are you thinking? And and do a little bit and do a little bit of research, you know, go to two or three places. And then wherever you feel most vision and mission aligned, whatever you felt spoke to how you want to serve, that's who you partner with, right? Because there's no sense in like re- Creating the the wheel, right? Like there are amazing organizations in our community who are doing great work for our families. Um, I think the most important thing is like operating with the sense of like, I don't know the answer right now. We just have ideas and solutions. And so how can I as an individual contribute to an option and not like mandate it on a family or bombard someone with. For sure. So you would say if somebody's listening from Atlanta area, you guys would feel strongly as educators saying agape. 100%. YMC, agape on a very local level, right? Yeah. So our Primrose directly, our affiliate program through our Primrose location is agape. So I'm familiar with them. I love their location. That's awesome. Then um, YMCA and Boys and Girls Club, Mm -hmm. which are obviously nationwide programs. If you go to, I think, like your local churches, you know, are also doing and serving in various capacities. I know that like the church that we affiliate with um, take the same sort of approach as well. They they know that there are needs in the community and they know that there are well-established organizations serving those needs. So like, let's give them manpower. Let's give them funds so that they can do what they do best and what they're best positioned to do and are doing well at a wider scale. Right. No, I agree with that um, as much as I can, right? On the, on the little thing, I know y'all are definitely the, um, the experts here. So as we wrap up, do you guys have any, if there's any one takeaway from a parent that is going through a situation of where they're thinking about doing this pod or co-op kind of scenario? one piece of advice that you could give them through this um, on how to help with the educational disparity gap, right? Mm-hmm. And to not further expand it. What would that one piece be from HEL? I'll know. take, I'm going to let the experts speak for a moment. Sure? Only because, because, because me sorry. <laughs> you know, I like to throw in the end of the I end of because I don't have children yet. And I know that this, I've, I've, I know that there is a lot of disparities in education, but I didn't know how complex and also how much more power I have on the simple pieces of educating myself, knowing who's, what who to vote for in, in power and in education. And now this pandemic arises, 
where I think that there's a lot of people who may not have children as well can get behind those to help bridge the gap and create sustainable change that we can't just close our eyes because we don't have kids. And I think that was my awakening of like, holy moly, when I, when I do have children, I want them to be in a different position because I would be nervous and have angst and anxiety. And I, you know, and I feel it in the room with parents and the moms. So I was like, it's a lot, right? And, and, and there is unquestionably a power of, it's not my problem right now. Because I don't have, I'm not a mom, right? And it's because there's a lot going on. But this to me is like, it can't be any more important than someone's education. Like, this is our future. And I know it sounds sometimes cliche, but this is actually the future of you know, what we have and we need to invest regardless if you are a parent or not in the community. So hopefully that can be great. We're going to think about that. <laughs> I think, like I thought about that. I thought it, there, it's easy to be a parent or to be a parent and go, I'm not dealing with the situation right now because God willing, Steel stays healthy and, the, and things align still that he gets to go to pre-K in a private setting and go every day Monday through Friday. Yeah. Um, but it is not miss. I mean, like every post I read, it hits me to my core and it's easy for me to go. I remember those six weeks that I was home with them and, you know, and what that was like and that I am absolutely patience wise, not cut out for that. Nor is my husband. So, um, and I'm sorry, I didn't, I didn't pretext that to you guys, but no, and hopefully you've had some time to give um, the thought to it. If not, I have a very strong feeling that this is going to be a popular um, episode amongst people and we'll likely be having you guys back for, for round two. Um, if not, this might be round so two. We've we got an hour and 20 minutes. I think mean, yes, we might be turning this into a Yeah. <laughs> oh, for sure. That's why we want people to send us their, you know, naked at mimosasandhotsauce.com. If there's an episode, any specific thing you've heard Aaron or Nell Marie's talk about that you want us to expand on. Um, I know where both of them live. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> So they will be back on. Okay. Yeah. So why don't you guys answer the question I asked? Just so we're answering yes. yeah. words of advice. Yes. To somebody that is going through organizing a pod and how can they can do it in the most effective like way. I think just being mindful of the effects that this is going to have on our society and what role can you play? And so is that providing a pay scale? Is that creating your pod and then amongst the parents figuring out what local organization to support um, that are going to be helping youth in a various, um, in various settings. But I think if you have the means to organize and fund a pod, um, you also have opportunity and access that many of us don't. And so how are you using that opportunity and access to create a system uh, that is working for everyone. Be cognizant of Yeah, I think it's, you hit the nail on the head with being curious. I think it's about impact, like intention, like I understand the intention behind it. Um, so I think it's about educating yourself on the effects of pause. And what are you going to do to continue to keep that at the forefront? Like, if you're in a pod, then I would hope that you're elevating your voice and bringing this to the pod and saying, okay, are we going to 
how are we going to, I don't hate to say offset, but essentially, like, how are you going to make sure that you are recognizing that you do have privilege mm -hmm. and how are you going to use that privilege um, to help your community? And then I would also encourage, if at all possible, to try and, if your child is already enrolled in public school, trying to just stay on, enrolled um, so that you are also keeping those dollars in the school, especially if you know that this is not a long-term plan for you. No, that's great. I think um, it's a lot, right? It's a lot mm -hmm. to unpack, it's a lot to understand, and this will not be one and done in the episode. There's a lot of upcoming items that we need to you know, understand and figure out how to make this a sustainable change movement. Uh, and we appreciate Maurice and Erin joining us since they're two of the experts on trying to figure out the new norm and how to attack this and be as positive and impactful in our communities as possible. So we definitely appreciate you guys taking time out and talking about Pods and the impacts and the positive movement around it, but also, you know, how to make sure to be really effective in our communities and not turn a blind eye for those who need it the most and the um, impacts of the future. I would say, um, and now Maurice, I, you, you can tell me if you want to add on to this or not, since Erin has just, if you listen to the first episode, you know that Erin launched her new um, teacher development consulting business. Um, and what's your hashtag? Right yeah. Or your Instagram handle. Oh, okay. I was like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, my Instagram handle is at Erin Cotman, E R I N N N C O T C N A N. So I say that if you're an educator listening and you want to, you feel like you're in uncharted waters and maybe not getting the um, the coaching and development you need from the um, the school that you are a part of. Please reach out to her. Um, now, Marie's, do you have, I don't think you're on Instagram, but do you have anywhere, if you're open to it, can they reach out to you? Absolutely. Cool. Um, you can email me. <laughs> <laughs> you're so classic. I love it. <laughs> you can email me at at gmail.com. First name is N-E-L-M-A-R-I-S dot Alvarez, A-L-V-A-R-E-Z at gmail.com. We would love to support um, educators, teachers, um, staff, as you are trying to navigate um, how to do this, how to do this well, how to do this right. Ultimately, we all want to do right by kids. Um, they are our future, and every child deserves access to an excellent education. And so we're here ready to to serve um, however you need. Ladies, thank you so much for being here. Um, we will be having you back really soon. So thanks for your honesty and your openness. And we will um, catch all of our audience members soon. Do you want to close this out, Cal? Yes. Thanks so much. Make it with the most of the hot sauce. I appreciate you guys. Thank you so much. Bye. That concludes another episode of Naked with Mimosas and Hot Sauce. Thank you so much for listening. Regardless if this is your first time listening to us or if you have been here since day one, please know that we are beyond grateful for any love you can show us. So if you can take just a second to rate us and leave a review on whatever app you're using to listen to us today would be awesome. Also visit our website at mimosasandhotsauce.com to sign up for what will be one amazing newsletter and then follow us on Instagram at mimosas and hot sauce or on Facebook at naked with mimosas and hot sauce. Until next time, stay, stay naked. naked.